blow. That was Lordy. <laughs> An Energy Groove Radio. Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> Welcome back to Energy Groove Radio. The show is Movie Groove. It's the groove that spews news that you should bruise for the movie you choose ensues. And as always, coming up in the show. Oh, coming up with a show, you stupid. You know what? Forget it. <laughs> I'm just not going to bother. Coming up on the show, we have a show. I didn't write an intro anyway. How are you, bro? Uh, I'm all right, Al. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> it's been. What did we do last week? Because I wasn't here last week. Did you run an old show? Did not. No. 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 You just the listeners just you know they got treated to some music. Well, that would have been better than listening to two old farts blabber on about nothing. Because nothing is what we've got. There is no movie industry anymore. These are the end times. It's all collapsed in a heap. The most interesting thing we've got coming up is Gardening Groove. Oh, God, not that again. <laughs> Great. So you love Gardening Groove. Come on. No, I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, have we, you seen any movies? Have I seen any movies in the intervening happenstance? Um, I, I saw Near Dark. Remember we were talking last week about the Catherine Bigelow-helmed vampire movie Near Dark. Oh, yes. Starring Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson. Um, Was it? Everything that you imagined and more. Uh, uh, it, um, uh, it, uh, I'll admit it wasn't quite as good as it seemed when I saw it as a younger man. Uh, yes, it's well. very 80s. It's got a very electronic soundtrack. The action is oddly static. What do you mean static? How does the just... action, how's the action static? Well, there's a scene in it uh, where the crew of vampires go to a little redneck bar. Right. Out in the middle of nowhere, because, you know, it seems like in movies there's always a redneck bar in the middle of nowhere mm. so that things can go down with the inconvenient police actions. Um, and they uh, and they tear apart the small number of, uh, of bar patrons and drink their blood. And it's just, I mean, there's lots of blood, but they, they just kind of stand around mm. and watch each other do awful things to the patrons and the patrons just sort of stand around frozen in shock and fear <laughs> and do very little else. So, so yes, it's right. Um, so some of the action scenes were just, they were lacking action. They were lacking okay. movement. So, so was it, was it, was it, was the camera also quite static in these action shots or? Yes. Yeah. In so many it was all instances. just very well-framed. <laughs> no, kind of, I don't know. I mean, it was one of, one of, uh, uh, Catherine Bigelow's earlier movies, right? So perhaps she was still sort of you know, she was sort of honing her craft there. Yeah, and uh, a lot of action movies back then seemed to lack action nowadays. What with uh, the frenetic energy that um, uh, that a lot of modern day maybe maybe some of the cast the were, were injured at the time or something. I don't know. No, no, it's just it just wasn't as good. It was still pretty good. You know, it's an interesting '80s movie. Okay, I guess, uh, and and the characters were okay, and um, very good. Uh, so yeah, it it was fine. Um, <laughs> That's what you want from a from a movie. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah, n never go yeah. back, kids. Don't you know? Don't revisit stuff that you thought was cool when you were young. You know, you, you might watch mm. Thomas on Misty Island, but uh, it. it in Thomas Tank Engine? Yeah, yes. On Misty Islands. Yeah, you, I mean, you might have felt terribly afraid for Thomas on his journey across the sea. But uh, yeah, if you if you revisit it now uh, as an older, you know, 13-year-old, you might find it uh, a bit less visceral. Well, I mean, I watched <laughs> uh, a few years ago, I re-watched The Little Engine That Could. 
I loved it as a kid, mm. uh, and I remember being particularly scared in a few scenes. Mm. Uh, and I rewatched it again. Still scared. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're really tense scenes, man. Lil Engine and his kids going up the mountain, and they get to the rickety bits where the the train tracks are falling off, and then there's you know hyenas and wolves or whatever wolves I think they are. Uh, you know, saying that he'll never make it. Mm. He'll never make it. Have you been playing video games? I heard you talking about God of War. When? You said that you've been playing God of War in lockdown and that you found it entertaining. Because I played God of War yeah. and I was like, you know what? I can't be arsed. But I think I, it was just mostly the style of combat that I just didn't like. Yeah, well, you you really quite enjoy the stealth stuff, don't you? I like having time to think about what I'm going to do next. And See, I'm quite okay to just mash buttons and hit things. Well, it's not a button masher either because you kind of have is. to go like, you know, that enemy's, you know, they've, they're a fire enemy, so <laughs> I need... I need nah. my fire buffed axe or, nah, you know, you I need my ice attack and nah, stuff like that. No, you just mash the buttons. Well, I tried to mash the buttons and I didn't get much success. Maybe I should have been playing it on easy. Were you playing it on easy? Yes. Oh. I play everything on easy, Al. Oh, well, see, there you are. That's how, <laughs> that's that's designed for button I'm mashing. I'm just in it for the story. Thank you. Uh, get me past the button mashy bits uh -huh. and uh, give me more story. Thank so, you. So are you all the way through it? You finished it? No, I'm... I'm Probably over the halfway point. So you formed a relationship with the bloke whose head you've removed and carried with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some really, really cool side characters. Yes, really he's nice. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, yes, I've been playing some games. I've been replaying L.A. Noir as well. And uh, what else? Uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake. Um, I've been playing a bit of that. Mm. So, yeah, I've been doing that. And then I also watched 1917. Uh completely uh, underwhelmed by that, I've got to say. Really? Yeah, totally really? underwhelmed. No, I, I was I, looking forward to it, Al. Yeah. And, um, no, wasn't really that impressed. I appreciate what they were trying to do, mm. making it all look like it was one seamless take. Yeah. But other than that, I didn't connect with the characters one iota. I cared very little for them. Hmm. Yeah, it was one of those movies where they're sort of showing off the... Mm. The technical achievement. The technical. Look at how amazing our film is. You know that. I just felt like it was. It was that. It was just. Hey, look at this cool thing that we can do. And it's like, well, great. But do you want to back that up with some, you know, interesting characters and maybe even more interesting set pieces? I was so bored by it all, well, Al. How do you stop for character moments in one big, long, breathless action well, scene? Well, that's it. It's kind of like, why are you bothering to do this if it's at the sacrifice of a, a, a really interesting story? I can appreciate that the story is definitely based mm. in reality somewhere. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I thought that, you know, there are much more interesting war movies to watch mm. than this one. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why I was up for so many Oscar noms. Um, because, I don't know, I suppose if you're interested in the craft of filmmaking, mm. if you know how films are made, then all the people that, you know, the Academy voters are sitting there going, like, how did they do that? Goodness I get, gracious, I get how that. did they do that? I get that. But the point of a film is to tell an engaging story and make you feel something. I felt nothing. Mm. A friend of mine said that it was awesome, but in all likelihood, when he watched it, he was baked. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, the thing is, I, I feel like I probably would have appreciated this film a lot more had I seen it in the cinema as it was intended, but I saw it digitally on mm. my TV screen, which yeah. granted doesn't have the best, you know, picture. It doesn't have the best sound either. So maybe I was missing something. I am starting to appreciate what sitting in a cinema theater does for a movie. Mm. Um, maybe I just need a much bigger television. 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, the, and, and you're also, you're kind of half distracted as well by the fact that you've got the world going on around you hmm. in your own home and, and things like that. So What world? You've got a dog. Yeah, and she's that's, very That's the only now. other thing in your flat that moves. You know how much she licks. It's very distracting. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you keep... <laughs> it's like, stop, like stop hauling me out of the immersion. Yeah. You're ruining the cinematic experience for me. So either way, I felt like, I don't know, I could have enjoyed 1917, maybe a bit more in the cinema, but at the end of the day, I felt it was a little bit hollow for mm. my liking, yeah. uh, especially considering the subject matter. I thought that it could have been a little bit more. Right. There could have been a bit more substance there. But, uh, yeah, I could give it a second watch perhaps and maybe I'll feel differently. But Did you watch the Tiger thing happen. yet? Have you weakened yet and watched the Tiger thing? I watched the first episode and, no, two episodes. Mm. I got two episodes in and it didn't stick with me. Right. But maybe I need to give it more. I, I yeah, I I still haven't weakened and, you know, I'm mm. really going to have to run out of things to watch before I lower myself to watching the Tiger thing. <laughs> it doesn't sound like something I would enjoy. They no. sound like horrible, horrible, sleazy yes. people yeah. that I wouldn't want to spend time with. Well, no, and I think like that's part of the charm of it is the characters and how that they, they, they do some weird, bizarre things and horrible behaviour and awful things, but it, it did alight me to the fact that there are more tigers mm. in captivity in America as pets glorified pets than there are running, than there are running around in the actual wild yes i know i had no idea about that fact mm. until this uh series became a thing so if here's anything, something that i heard about in hopefully the, it raises some awareness to that something that i heard about in the making of um in the in the notes because they're doing another one. Oh. I think they're doing a, a an extra episode that's concerned with um, this person and, and what he's doing in jail. But apparently, something that they decided not to include, not to include in the documentary, because you know you've got unlikable characters, you don't want to make them um, repellent. Mm. <laughs> apparently, um, after he was jailed, they, the you know the tiger guy, they went up into his attic and found stuffed tigers. Oh. That had been augmented to be used as sex toys. Ew. Yes. <laughs> so it wasn't Ew. just that he had a fetish for tigers. No. He's actually, you know, he's, no. he's got his favorites just up in the attic. Just a casual bit of bestiality. Yeah, so he's, he's you know, he's... He, he's no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Not he's got me. Kelly the tiger stuffed up there with a fleshlight. You know what, A though? butthole fleshlight installed <laughs> in the back Stop end. It. You know, <laughs> what's disgusting to me is that there's probably in America a, a, a market for that. Um, it uh, wouldn't surprise me. There's a market for pretty much anything. There's a market that, for everything in, else in that country. So, yeah. um, uh, yes, isn't humanity wonderful? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think. I think on that note, well, that that was the movie wrap up, and oh, uh, um, and on that note, we'll have a track from Avicii, and we'll come back with some news. The day is on Energy Groove Radio. Max Frost. Back in the summer on Energy Groove Radio. Above that, we had Avicii. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, Avicii's good. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, Avicii has a lot of fans. Yeah. Well, he had. He's dead. Oh, well, yes. Killed himself. 
<laughs> yes, he, Al. He must have been listening to his back catalogue and thinking, <laughs> oh, that's it. I've got no more reason to live. Oh, Al. Yes, no, I know. That's Look, not, that's not, not That's not but nice. That poor taste. No. Um, our thoughts go out to his family because they have to keep listening to it and pretending it's good. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Welcome back to Movie Groove. Uh, um, uh, if you're one of the many hundreds of listeners who just switched off, <laughs> bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, yes, it's uh, it's been a slow week uh, in movies. Yes, it has. Um, so much so that I have discovered that Sizzler is still operating that in was the thing we went looking for, for for content for our movie show and we discovered that Sizzler is still open in Australia. Yeah, an ad popped up. Uh, advertising Sizzler's takeaway menu. And I thought, what? Yes. And then you looked at the menu and you said... That... Uh, it looks like... What did I say? You said it looks like shit. But you weren't... <laughs> he wasn't referring to the food. He was referring to the design because Bradley is a design snob. Uh, no. I was, <laughs> genuinely, though, I'm surprised that Sizzler is still going because, I don't know, I just thought they closed in the 90s, or maybe it's just because I haven't been to one since the 90s. I haven't been to one since the 90s. There's five in Queensland, there's three in Perth, and mm. there is one in New South Wales. Just holding on, Campbelltown, Sizzler, yeah. good so on you. So if you have everything you ever need to know about Queensland, is mm. that there's still enough people going to Sizzler, they've got five of them open. Yeah. I mean, they can charge twenty five ninety five for a steak. Yeah. Crazy. Well, in Sizzler. Queensland, that's classy. Yeah, um, a big shout out to all of our Queensland listeners. Um, you sad redneck mm. losers. Um, <laughs> Two dollars fifty for some pumpkin soup and cheesy bread, though. That's not bad. <laughs> well, um, I, you know what? I'll, I'll admit, I like the cheese bread. Mm. I like the cheese bread, but no force on earth could get me to eat from that salad bar. That sneeze guard yeah. doesn't do shit when you've got people sticking their fingers in it. Yeah. So the sal the salad bar isn't included in the takeaway menu. Sorry. Well, then what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are that? What are the, okay? Considering that the you know pandemic has happened and people can't go to restaurants, mm. what did they do with all that damn salad? Um, I don't know. Uh, look, how much uh, salad do you have to make, Al, to prepare for an all day every all you can eat? You can make a shit ton of compost. <laughs> We need to feed the yeah. next generation something. Uh, yeah. I've got a little book at home called Let's Propagate. It's all about, you know, um, having your own garden and being self-sufficient. Oh. And I've been reading it recently oh. because I have a feeling that something like that is going to come up Yeah, on the list of needful things. Well, my, I mean, my mum has a huge garden because uh, they run acreage and stuff. She mm. She's a big gardener. Yes. Loves it. Mm. Um, and she's always complaining about how many zucchinis she has. She's like a zucchini pusher, Al. Every time you go over there, she's like, yeah. you want zucchinis? Take some zucchinis with you. <laughs> Got zucchinis coming out of my ears. What's for dinner? <laughs> zucchinis. And I'm like, God, this is why you don't garden. I'm, so, I'm trying. I'm like, there's so many. I'm being assaulted by so many comments that I can't actually say on air like, <laughs> concerning your mum and zucchinis. Um no, Big shout out to Mrs. Dewins. You should see it when it's eggplant season. Oh, dearie me. Okay, so I thought I was the gross one. Anyway, um, we're going to move along with, uh, well, the, the checking in with the latest entertainment and movie news from all around the galaxy. This is episode 89 of A News Hope. Yes, and first off, box office news. There we go. And I call it. I should have brought in a recording. 
of me calling it, but I called it live on air from did, those who were listening last week. I said oh! that the number one movie in the United States box office would yes. be the true history of the Kelly Gang, and it is <laughs> the little Aussie movie that could. The true history of Yay! the Kelly Gang has taken the number one spot. In, well done, Australia. In the box office rankings in the States with a massive haul of $9,839. Gee, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad, <laughs> considering what the top position was last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so that's that's a huge... That's fantastic. Huge win for for that little Aussie movie. It's probably something to do with the star power of Russell Crowe, to be honest. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam, mm, Nicholas Holt, Hunnam. Mm. Um, and um, her that's in every Australian thing ever. A bit uh, of a walk-on for her as well. What's Claudia her name? Claudia Carvin. That's her. Essie Davis. Uh, Essie Davis is in it. She's mm. not a walk-on. She's actually... Um, oh, Claudia Carvin's she's good. A, who's that guy? That's Simon. Okay. Hi, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Simon's doing the rounds. He's our security man. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just went bright red. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's got the number one spot, and that's fantastic. Two films from IFC Films in the United States have taken the one and two spots. Resistance in its fifth week. What's Resistance? I don't know. I have to Google this. Okay, so uh, a film Resistance um, uh, in its fifth week, which was at the number one spot last week, has dropped a spot. Mm. Um, because it only took $2,223 this week, bringing its gross to a total of 6486 Uh Resistance is an internationally co-produced biographical drama film written and directed by Jonathan Jakobowitz. Jacob- <laughs> okay. Inspired by the life of Marcel Marco. Marceau? Marco? Marcel Marceau. Marcel Marceau. The there world's most famous wow. mime. I am. Really? <laughs> Yes. You've never heard of Marcel Marceau. He was a massive star in the 70s. He's a mime. I know. It's weird, isn't it? Um, People who do mime are are up in that list with me, Who the people who do musical theatre. Oh, oh, they're in that group, are they? Well, meow. Kitty has claws. Um, (laughs) Yes. Anyway, it stars Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, what was it? Uh, To steal a gag from Frankie Boyle, if I was invisible, I would go out into Piccadilly Circus and kick a mime to death. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody would just stand around and applaud. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what are you trying to achieve? Um, Like, really, when you're a mime, what are you doing? I don't know. Maybe it's some some kind of a virus. (laughs) <laughs> Symptoms may include walking into the wind, <laughs> <laughs> pressing your face up against glass, uh, being very uh, surprised at reaching mm. the top of an invisible wall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Well, uh, so anyway, it's, uh, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg is in it as well. And uh, yeah. it's just, it, sure. Marcel Marceau. So yeah, apparently mm. he was he was huge, you know, uh, because in the 70s, there was only three channels on the television, so you had to take what you could get. And one of those things was Marcel Marceau. An aspiring mime artist joins the French resistance to save the lives of thousands of children orphaned at the hands of the Nazis. Right. That's the plot. Maybe that's why he's famous. <laughs> they went, well, heard. okay, so he's a mime, but he did save a lot of children from the Nazis. Yeah. yeah. So we'll... Maybe that's his redeeming feature. <laughs> 
we won't the most kick hated him to death. man in the city suddenly becomes <laughs> we won't a kick hero. this one to death because yeah. he saved children from the Nazis. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Now I'll become a mime. Oh god, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um and uh yes, uh, that's it. Oh, was that it? Okay. That's it. Um, and you were asking uh, the last time we were on how are like how are they actually getting any numbers? Apparently, yes. the drive-ins are still open. Right. Yeah, I don't know if the drive-ins are only showing these uh, these little independent numbers. Stupid but... question, Al. But how when you go to a drive-in mm. or a drive-through movie theater, whatever you yeah. call them, how do you get the sound from the movie? into your car well traditionally uh there would be a little speaker mm. like a tiny little mono speaker there would be one hanging off of a post every between every two parking bays what, and you put that in your car so there would be a post and it would have um a speaker on a very thick wire yeah, yeah. and you would just take the speaker and off the hook and hang it on the inside of your window and then wind the window up oh what fun and so you would have one mono speaker. Just at your face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that nowadays through the use of Bluetooth technology, there'd be a certain oh. frequency that you can tune into. Um, you know, you would you would get it through your mm. phone and therefore you'd be able to enjoy the stereo speakers in your own car. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So the drive-ins are still open. So, yes, if you were thinking of opening a drive-in, uh, now is the time. Yes. I would love to own a drive-in theater. Would you? Well, would you really like people rocking up in their cars, parking on your lot and giving each other handies for three hours every night? Oh, yes. <laughs> I would have cameras oh, positioned. Ow. <laughs> Just think of the ancillary business you could drum up oh, on the internet with that kind of footage. <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 would, I like the idea of owning a drive-in theatre, but I'm not sure. I've, I've never heard of many people becoming drive-in theatre billionaires. Do we have any in New South Wales? It's possible. Um, there was one in Parks when I was a kid. That's where mm. we used to go to enjoy films. Um, it's I like... remember seeing Smokey and the Bandit Part 3. Oh. And even as a small child thinking, this is not good. Mm. You know, children are, are they're, they're undiscerning. Mm. You know, they'll accept anything with entertainment. And Smokey and the Bandit has cars crashing into one another. And even as a, like a, a nine or 10 year old thinking, this is Drake. Yeah. I'm very disappointed. So what happens if you rock up to the drive in movie theater and you're in the back seat? Uh, Do you get to see anything? You pay by the person in the car, which is why lots of people hide in the boot. Gosh. But yeah. How do you see the movie from the back? Sit in the middle? In the middle? Like, oh, it just seems all very uncomfortable. Well, we used to go in a ute, because if you go in the summer, oh, yeah. and so we would you go in the, the ute, so you, you could sit in the top, mm. and you would mm. get the other speaker, you see, and, mm. and do it that way. Hang on. <laughs> oh, God, Corona. I'm perfectly healthy. God. <laughs> so I'm sorry, look, I'll just... Really I'll, glad I'm I'll, in a small booth with you right now. And put some hand sanitizer on Please before do. I touch the mouse Please again. do, Al. So, uh, yeah, but that's everything for the uh, the movie news. So, yeah, uh, visit your local drive-in if you have one. <laughs> see if there are any. You can get on the internet and see if there are any drive-ins still open drive... across this great land because they still have them in the States. Drive-in, movie, theatre. Oh, and, um, and of course, one in you remember last week we were talking about her Trolls World Tour 2. Drive-in Blacktown. Wow. Run by event cinemas. Wow. We can go to the drive-in and then go straight to Sizzler afterwards. <laughs> 
What a day. Oh, yeah, that's a night out. Oh, we're going to die. <laughs> what are they showing? Um, True history it just says we'll be back soon. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh, dearie me. Yes. Oh, the distributors are not bothering to send mm. movies out. But you can still order your favourite movie snacks online and pick them up. Yeah, so I'm not surprised that the distributors aren't actually doing anything. It costs, because uh, we were pitching a film, because I made a film that got shortlisted for an Oscar. Mm. I don't know if I mentioned it before. <laughs> Um, Once or twice. It was only a 10-minute animated short, um, which is available online now for a nominal fee. Um, it's called Nullabore, an animated road movie. Um, check it out on iTunes. And, uh, and um, did I leave anything out? No. So we were pitching a... <laughs> We were pitching a feature-length version to Village Cinema, and one of the things that I learned that um, in the holiday period, which mm. is pretty much the only time when people will watch an animated movie, or at least it's generally recognised that it's the only time worth releasing something. Yes. Um, if it's an animated movie. Because the kids are on holidays, right? Just to put posters in marquee. So this is absent radio, press, television, cinema advertising, um, bags of uh, of oranges with your movie label on them. Yeah. Um, absent all that stuff. Just putting posters in the marquees of cinemas across the country costs $3 million. What? Yes, Get by itself. Stuffed. Just that one thing. So I'm not surprised that distributors aren't doing much. I think they're over... That's in Australia alone. I feel like they're overestimating the value of those poster boxes. Well, distributors tend to do that as well. Mm. Um, when you're distributing a movie, they'll usually have an accountant who when, will find some way to make it... When do people like, go to the actual cinema, right? Go to the cinema mm. and choose a movie based on the posters that are put up in the movie theatre. I don't know. They must Not exist. Not me. They must exist. You've got to let the people know that the movie is on somehow. Well, those people are demented. Okay. Get get the internet. <laughs> anyway, um, and you made me completely forget what I was talking about there. Well, it just it costs a lot of money to put a poster up in a movie theatre. So, yes. hence why your movie... The, the, didn't it, it win didn't, the Oscar. It didn't get up. It didn't win the Oscar. No, a little. No. So the feature film version. It didn't happen yet. Oh, yet. God. We're not discounting the possibility. Okay. All right. A script exists. All right. Well, everyone, go online and watch Nullarbor, and then sign the petition. And remember to spell it properly. It's not an Aboriginal word. It's Latin. Oh, Null arbor, mm. which means no trees. Yeah. See, I have no idea why this didn't There you Oscar. go. Tune into Movie Groove and learn things. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, speaking of that, that's a great segue. We've got a story about, um, well, uh, Trolls 2, the most important movie of 2020. Yes, um, it earned an estimated $95 million from uh, PVOD rentals in its first 19 days of, of availability. PVOD, Bradley, of course, stands for... Personal video on demand? Yes, probably. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. It says PVOD here. Um, but I can't, I'm not sure what that stands for. But you're bound to be right. So, Well, it also means pulmonary venoocular disease. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure it doesn't stand for that in this context. <laughs> so 95 million sounds pretty good for the first 19 days, but but they are not saying that cinemas are dead just yet because that's actually a lot less than the original earned. And even then, um, it was up against Doctor Strange. Um, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, yes. <laughs> 
as well as Doctor Strange. Um, they had a they had a difficult time advertising those two movies because the titles were so close together. In fact, yeah. I think the producers of Doctor Strange were actually sued. <laughs> um, the first Harry Potter mm. spin off, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, my trousers. Um, oh. <laughs> um, both of which, so they opened during Trolls' first three weeks, and it made a hundred. Uh, sorry. So uh, it made 120 million in its first 19 days of theatrical release, and uh, and ultimately got about 346 million worldwide. Right. So while 95 million sounds like a lot, it ain't, and it sounds like missing out on the theatrical window might have cost them some money on this occasion. You know what? It's better than nothing. Well, it's better no- than 9,000 that old mate uh, Ned Kelly made. Yeah, but I don't think they're really expecting to break a bank with that one either. Um, well, no one does in Australian cinema. And of course, with the theatrical release, you know, you are you've you've also got the the worldwide sales to think of, and then there's the uh, video at home mm. tale that you don't get, right? Because yeah, um, I saw it in the cinema, but then that's it. Whereas right now, if you're getting it, then you buy it. That means that it's in your library. If you want to watch it again later on, then you can just turn it on. Mm. So they're not getting that extra, I think, one and a, uh, 150 million that they made off the last one. So right. what they're saying in this article, essentially, is that this new method of distribution um, has shown that, uh, no, you're not going to make as much money to begin with. Mm. But this is one example. And it's Trolls 2 World Tour. So, <laughs> you know, the demand for it is narrow. Yeah. It's for parents who need something to get their kids to shut the hell up for exactly 90 minutes. <laughs> yes, yes, I can understand. Um, how? So do you know how much it was going for on the rental? Well, Because I assume you can't buy it. I assume you can only rent it at this stage, yeah? No, no, you would. Uh, that's the thing of video on demand is that you can rent a movie, but that's later. If it's a movie that's in demand, then they more or less expect that you buy it. And I don't know how much I a movie. It was the other way. And it's usually pretty much exactly the same that you would pay for a movie ticket in your local theater. So, for example, when uh, like Endgame, vid- when uh, Avengers Endgame yeah, yeah, yeah. came out, Infinity War was only available to buy yeah. in high definition for twenty four ninety five right. Australian. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure how much that would be in other countries, but it's comparative to a movie ticket kind for an adult. Of. Yeah, apart from the experiences are far less. And they don't have the overheads. Yes, but on the other hand, twenty four ninety five serves as many people as you got in the house for as many months as you like, whereas at the movie ticket, it only gets one person in. See, uh, there's nineteen seventeen on the PlayStation Store, for example, at mm. the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, and I decided not to get it from there because they were asking for twenty four ninety nine mm. to rent. Yes. Excuse they, me. There was no option to buy. Really? So Trolls World rent. Two. Well, uh, maybe if you look on the price of Trolls World Two, you could find out if it was that much money just to watch it once. Yeah, and the the Invisible Man uh, was the same thing as well. It only had the rent option. Mm. So I'm assuming the buy will come later. Yeah. Because that would make sense to me. I guess so. Because if you like the movie enough, you chances are you would probably rent it again if you were that desperate. Yeah. But buying would come when the DVD comes out. Also, something else that loses you money is, um, okay, so it's twenty four ninety five just to rent it, mm-hmm. but five sets of eyes, twenty four ninety five. Whereas, again, if you go to the cinema, yeah. 
then five sets of eyes have got to play five times, got to pay five times over. So they're, mm. yeah, they're losing. How much is a kid's ticket to the Eighty percent of their revenue. So it may be that more people saw Trolls World Two, Trolls Two World Tour than saw the first one. Many, many more, but they only paid once for each household rather than five times. Well, yeah, that's that's it. And you would assume that the people who were watching it mm. would have watched it with their kids. So yeah, yeah, you would only ass- people. So you, you know. could probably double the numbers, maybe, um, of the people that you know have viewed it or downloaded it. Yeah, you could double that, mm. and then you'll be like, okay, well, we missed out on probably X amount of these tickets. Yeah. Look, neither one of us is a mathematician. Plus snacks and everything else. Neither one of us is a mathematician. No, Look, neither it... of us uh, really understand business at all. No. That's no, why not we're at here. all. But in any case, <laughs> um, the, the they're saying on this uh, box office site that, yeah, it's we can we can uh, hopefully when this whole COVID-19 thing goes away and the theatres will reopen, we can all go back to the movies again because they're not going to make more money just giving it direct mm. delivery. So... Oh, and uh, and also, what show would be complete without a Star Wars story? That was actually Brad that time, yelling no. <laughs> um, so, uh, Disney faced a ruthless backlash on Twitter this week as it hyped up the popular annual Star Wars hashtag, hashtag May the 4th. Because May the 4th is Star Wars Day oh, in the minds God. of, would you stop rolling your eyes? You're going to injure yourself. I haven't yet. <laughs> um, so uh, they're also appearing to claim the right to use any tweets using the tag May the Force Be With You. Really? Really? Yeah. So um, the tweet said, Celebrate the saga. Reply with your favorite hashtag Star Wars memory and you may see it somewhere special on hashtag May the Fourth. Disney streaming service Disney Plus tweeted on Monday, but then Disney Plus or Disney Plus, as they call it in France, um, I think we could call it Disney Plu from now on. Okay. Okay, so, uh, but then Disney Plu added more odd terms. Um, it said, by sharing your message with us using hashtag May the 4th, you agree to our use of the message and your account name in all media and our terms of use. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Get it, off. it was the internet and mocking tweets came swiftly and in abundance. One said, I was born on May the 4th. Does that mean you owe my birthday? Hashtag May the 4th. <laughs> Another, <laughs> by sharing your message with me using hashtag Catterday, you agree to giving me all of your cats. <laughs> Quipped another. Yeah. Yes. So the company tried to save face, tweeting again, clarifying that the T's and C's only apply to the original tweet that mentioned both May the 4th, hashtag May the 4th, and the at Disney Blue handle. Right. But it was too late. Yes, I'm sure it yes, was. Yes, much like when um, Darth Vader did that thing to look Skywalker in that movie. What? Yes, I know. know. (laughs) Pick one. Um, Might have been an idea to have said this in the other tweet in a way that didn't sound like a team of lawyers were going to do a smackdown on those who tweeted. Tweeted another. Nice backpedal, said yet another. Um, So. um, Brilliant. so, So at what point do you step in and specifically say that hashtags don't belong to anyone? Intellectual property law experts appear to already have the answer. Michael Carrier, a law professor at Rutgers Law School, told the New York Times he doesn't believe Disney has the rights to someone else's tweets, even as described in the company's most narrowly defined terms. Yeah. Copyright exists to protect creation, and it exists from the moment that you create something. 
Mr. Carrier told the paper. It doesn't matter if you're sending a message to Disney or if you're using a hashtag that Disney said to use. It doesn't matter if you mention Disney Plus, he said. Yeah, I mean, there's a good argument there. Uh, but there's also, well, no, that's, kinda, it also begs. That's basic copyright law. If I draw a picture uh, on sure. a piece of paper, then that image belongs to me. I don't have to register it. I don't have to wait for a patent or anything but like doesn't that. But doesn't this. It's the same with a piece of writing. Sure. But I... somebody can read said piece of writing and then go away and steal that idea. Yeah, I get that. Hmm. But I'm always a bit iffy with social media platforms uh, because just because you, of their terms and conditions. It's kind of like. You probably already agreed to a TNC yeah. that said that if you tweet something, it belongs to Twitter. Yeah. So is Twitter, can Twitter then just sell those tweets to Disney? I honestly don't know. <laughs> but this does sound like something Disney would do because I, yeah. have, I have said this on the show before. I used to work at Disney. Uh, TV animation, and mm. they tried to get me to sign. They asked me to sign a contract that said that everything that you draw on behalf of us or anyone else, no matter where you are in the world, yeah. belongs to us for as long as you work here and for two years after you leave. Now, well, I mean that's pretty standard in the recording industry as well. Yes, but that's a legally indefensible clause. Mm. But then you're talking about somebody saying to Disney Corporation, "Hello, I'm a starving artist. Yeah, um, I am going to sue you for the money that I lost." And Disney going like, "Give it your best shot, Punchy," because. That's just never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's it's stupid. It's stupid when companies try this. Uh, it's Like, it's just, it's done them more damage than good. Mm. Like, instead of actually getting people excited about this date that people seem to associate with Star Wars for some stupid reason. Yes. Uh, Especially when the next day is Cinco de Mayo. So <laughs> now they've just made themselves look really, really greedy and uh, reinforce the fact that everybody kind of doesn't really like Disney. have made themselves look really, really greedy. Well, yeah. that's never happened before in the history of mankind ever. <laughs> So yes, anyway. um, if uh, the, the the Disney Plu the Disney Plu are also in trouble for covering up. Um, uh, oh God, I can't even think of the girl's name. Hannah Montana. No, uh, <laughs> the lady who was a Daryl Hannah. That's right, oh. the young actress who was well, she was young when she was in Splash with Tom Hanks, which was a massive oh, yes. the smash covering hit. Up of the, the and mom. they've gotten in trouble for covering up her butt <laughs> with After Effects. Well, they have- Badly. gotten in trouble. It's just they did it really badly. They, oh, they did and it they so badly. And they drew way more attention to it. They said um, they got somebody's <laughs> kid brother who knows how to use the copy stamp tool. If you haven't seen it, um, <laughs> I would seriously recommend checking it out on uh, your streaming service. Yes. Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> or just YouTube Disney or Twitter. Plus. But it's <laughs> hilarious. It's like, so she goes to dive into uh, the ocean mm. and there's not even like she has long hair anyway, which basically covers up her her rear end. It looks like Donald Trump's hair mm. has attached itself to her arse in order to escape into the sea. Yes, but what they've done is that, <laughs> for whatever reason, they thought that it wasn't enough, so they covered it up even more with a really bad botch job of CG. Well, where there it's is literally copy and paste. There of, is also another scene in the movie where you do get to see her bare butt in all its glory because the rules for PG back in the 80s were a little more relaxed. Sure. So you do get to see the bare butt in the original film. Um, there wasn't nearly enough hair covering up her bare butt in that short where she appears at, you know, uh, she appears on, is it Goose Island? I don't know. I've not seen this. Goose film, Island but... is where Lady Liberty stands. <laughs> anyway, okay. she appears at the Statue of Liberty. Oh. Naked as the day she was born. Mm. And you get to see her butt in all its glory. Um, yeah. Also, uh, if you're interested in seeing Daryl Hannah, um, 
uh, in the altogether. There's a movie called Shortcuts, directed by Robert Altman. Uh, not a feel-good movie, but naked Daryl Hannah. Ow. What? So pervy. <laughs> I'm not. I Look, I've only seen the movie once, and I didn't think, oh, boy, that's going in the personal spank bank. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so gross. Um, <laughs> Either way, it's quite funny if you... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. It's you don't even have to know special effects to look out for it. You'll see it. You'll be like, "Well, that was weird." Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> like Donald's hair is escaping after yeah. it. Yeah, it's stuck to that lady's butt. Um. Anyway, uh, thankfully that was a very long talk break. Uh, that is everything we have for our news. Hope so. When it comes to news, remember that this source will be with you always. Now <laughs> well, here's Macklemore. I feel glorious. Glorious on Energy Group Radio. Astrid S. there with Breathe. Good advice mm. on Energy Groove Radio. Um, you are on Energy Groove Radio. We're transmitting live from the beautiful city of Sydney and all around the world. My name is Oscar Lockhart and sitting with me in the studio, as usual, is the um, ebullient okay. Bradley Dewins. What does that mean, Al? Ebullient. Um, uh, joyous. Does it? I think it means joyous and lively. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, what are we doing? Oh, we're talking about dead people. Look, yeah, I, I don't mean to bring everybody down by talking about death because we can hear an awful lot about death. The news has been fairly miserable. I'm sick of hearing about this COVID-19 thing that everybody's talking about. They keep saying, <laughs> stay home. I was doing that anyway. Did you hear the lady on Fox News? Um, I tend not to listen to anybody nah, on Fox nah, News nah, because it, I know what I'm going to get. It's pretty funny how she was she was saying that uh, it's highly suspicious or at least um, it's really – she was just basically saying that WHO, the World Health Organization, is very incompetent because we don't have a vaccine for COVID-19 when there's been 18 other COVIDs that they could have – Oh, oh my god! Oh, I thought it was brilliant. Then and so good. They actually won a court case saying that they didn't necessarily have to tell the truth. Yeah. So, so basically, now they can say whatever the hell they like. And if you're stupid enough to be watching it and thinking, "Whoa, well, that sounds like the truth," I feel, I feel like it's misleading that they have the word "news" in their title. It is. If yes. they if they just call themselves Fox, or if they call themselves Fox Entertainment, mm. fine. Yeah. But calling themselves think, news, nah, a bit of a stretch. I think it would take, uh, what it would take is like if a fake news story from Fox caused the death of billions of people, mm. then we might see legislation saying, you know what, you're going to have to start saying things that aren't absolute bollocks. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of thing that, you know, because world governments work the same way as local governments and local governments never put up traffic lights until somebody's kid dies. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. that's probably what it'll take. But I tend well, to think isn't that it, isn't it funny? Like, I mean, just on that topic, I mean, I don't mean to, you know, carry on about the subject, but mm. uh, to to kind of make your point, the Australian government has doubled the new start payment, what's now called Job Seeker. Yes, uh, 
only because suddenly there's a whole swathe of middle class Australians that have never used the welfare service before who've become aware that they... have become aware that they cannot live on forty dollars a day, which is what the new start or job seeker payment was is prior right? to the pandemic. Have we suddenly discovered that forty dollars a day isn't enough to live on? Yes. That's just so astonishing. Now what? that there's a whole bunch of the population, the middle class population that 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 has to deal with the welfare service. Only now has the government decided to double it so that people yeah. can have a, you know, standard of living which is mm. acceptable in well, <laughs> you Australia. See, no people that actually vote for them yes. are hungry. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, let's not it get does political. take it does take extreme measures sometimes to get a response. I tend to think that, um, especially in the case of Fox News and Sky News, the, the the instructions on Rupert Murdoch are just, you know, whatever you think will really make nerdy, wimpy, liberal cucks like Alice Lockhart, as an example, really quite <laughs> desperately miserable and angry. Yeah. Just just say that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think it's quite deliberate because not because, you know, he, he has, wants to destroy the world or anything, but he, he knows that doing such a thing is extremely divisive mm. and that will make Sell. his advertising space exactly. more valuable. So yeah. I don't think it's a political thing. He's just, no, they know exactly what they're doing. They know precisely what they're doing. So, yeah, just say anything that will make liberals angry. <laughs> <laughs> and just keep saying it. Yes. Because uh, I was watching Media Watch on the way over and I was thinking, oh, my, because I was watching some of the stuff I've been saying on Sky News. Mm. Um, and uh, and I'm not going to repeat it because uh, because I, it's too depressing. Because Let's talk about people who've died. Where I'm, I'm a higher brow. Uh, program than that, Al? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's why earlier I was talking about using camera footage of people giving each other handies in their private cars. As yes. And uh, <laughs> saleable internet content. And, and fleshlights in stuffed tiger behinds. <laughs> Look, I didn't, get, I didn't put the fleshlight in the stuffed tiger. It was oh. the tiger guy. Look, if you don't know what we're talking about, no. that's probably all for the best. Yeah. Um, look, people die all the time, and sometimes they're celebrities, but ah, because they're celebrities, they'll live in our hearts forever. They will. Certainly, if after we've bid them a fond farewell and a bit that we have always called dead for reals. Behind the clouds, the sun is shining. There's a big blue sky waiting right behind the clouds. Shut up! Yes, and first on Dead for Rules, we've got Jill Gascoigne. Well, dead. Yes, she was an English actress and a novelist. Mm. She was best known in Britain, anyway, for her role as Detective Inspector Maggie Forbes in the 1980s television series The Gentle Touch and its spin-off series Cat's Eyes. And, of course, in the 70s, the popular British historical soap drama The Oneidan Line. Um, I remember the Aneedon line as a very small kid. You know how when you're a small kid and you say something that makes perfect sense to you and then all the adults fall about fall about laughing themselves because you've said something incredibly funny? Yeah. Yes. Well, I once walked into a room of people watching the Oneidon line and there was a lady giving birth. And, of course, giving birth is a very painful process and she was making plenty of noise about it. And I walked in, watched her making plenty of noise for about, you know, two seconds and then went, what's wrong with her? <laughs> so, yeah. That's my only memory of the Needle Line and the theme song, which oh. is a, a famous 
um, classical piece. But anyway. I was once in primary school and my teacher laughed at me because I had, uh, you know, those desks which the lid flipped up and you had like a place to put all your stuff there. I do remember those. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? They are. They should bring those back. They really should. Either way, um, (laughs) mine had a screw loose and I said, miss, I've got a screw loose. And she thought that was hilarious. And I didn't quite understand why until I realised that it, you know, means that you have a mental condition. Yeah, so that would totally end up on BuzzFeed today. Mm, Wouldn't it? Um, Anyway, uh, in the 1990s, she began a career as a novelist. Uh, Her first novel was Addicted, about a successful television actress in her 50s who embarks upon a destructive affair with a young Half English, half Spanish actor in his thirties. Here's the twist: Gascoigne's real life widower is Alfred Molina. Who's that? Alfred Molina. He's a very famous actor. You might remember him as Satipo in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The guy who goes into the tomb with him and gets spiders all over him. Uh, he's been in heaps of things. Alfred Molina is one of the most reliable character actors working yeah. today. Yeah. Yes. Why can't I think of the millions of things that you should know him from? Anyway, um, yes, he was married to her. He is also an English actor of Italian-Spanish descent who is 16 years her junior. So mm. a little bit of self-insertion persona there. I feel like I might be. Mm. And uh, followed by our second novel, Lillian. And uh, uh, the third novel was called Just Like a Woman. Which is a story about a middle-aged woman who's pressured by her family to have an abortion after she falls pregnant in her 50s. Anyway, Hmm. uh, she died after a long illness at a care home in Los Angeles. She Mm -hmm. was 83, and we miss her already. Oh, and there's a photo uh, of her with the man that you mentioned. Alfred Alfred. Molina. Yes, and Betty White. Mm. Yes. Well, there you go. Yeah, how fun. I love any picture with Betty White in it. Well, there you go. Yes. So, what... I Doctor Octopus in one of the Spider Man movies. Yes, I mean I've seen him. I've seen him in a lot of things. Yes, so um, you do know can't put my finger about. on any of them, but yeah. <laughs> I know that he's uh, one of them. Um, and uh, next we have Sahabzadeh Irfan Ali Khan. Well, dead. Yes, uh, simply known as Irfan Khan, um, or Irfan. Mm. So famous in his own country that they simply called him Irfan. Oh, you know. Like we say, our Kylie. Uh, that kind of guy. Cool. An Indian actor who worked in Hindi cinema as well as British and American ones. Um, cited in the media as one of the finest actors in Indian cinema. His career spanned 30 years and earned him numerous accolades. Mm. Uh, he made his debut with a small role in Salam Bombay. After starring in the British film The Warrior of 2001, um, he had starring roles in Hasil and Makbul. Uh, I'm assuming those were the Hindi films that he was starring in. And then critical acclaim for his roles in The Namesake, uh, the title character for a couple of other things, bloody bloody blah, Best Walks, The Lunchbox, Piku, Talvar. Um, he had supporting roles in The Amazing Spider-Man, Slum, Li- Slumdog Millionaire, Life of Pi, Jurassic World, and Inferno. Yes, he was the millionaire who owned the park in Jurassic World. Yes, and he died in that helicopter crash. Yes, he did. Um, so Slumdog Millionaire, which of course won the best picture of that year. New York, Hader, uh, Gunday, um, In Treatment was a television film that he was in. And uh, yes, he was also in uh, one, a movie that I've seen quite a few times, um, but I've forgotten the name of it. It was a... <laughs> Wes Anderson film set on a train called the 
Best Indian Exotic Something. Oh, okay. What the heck was that movie called? <laughs> one of my one of my ex's favorite films. Uh, um, don't know. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, a great actor. He was described by Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian as a distinguished and charismatic star in Hindi and English language movies whose hard-working career was an enormously valuable bridge between South Asian and Hollywood cinema. Mm. Um, in 2018, he was diagnosed with neuroendocrine tumour. Oh. And he died this week due to a colon infection, oh, which must have been a pain Don't. in the arse. Oh. I knew you were going to do something like Come that. Come on, how could I not? <sighs> we're paying tribute to a great actor. Mm. How could I not do a gag about arse cancer? Um, he was only 53, yeah. and we miss him already. And finally, and this is from about a week ago, but we didn't do a show last week, and I did want to mention Brian Dennehy. Well, Dennehy. Yes, he was an American actor of stage, television, and film. He won two Tony Awards, an Olivier Award, and a Golden Globe. All he'd need is an Emmy, and he'd be an EGOT. You know what an EGOT is? Emmy, Globe, Oscar, and Tony. That's the oh. very few actors are EGOTs. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is one. Mm. Uh, Nathan Lane is one. Mm. Um, I believe Matthew Broderick is one. Well, you could say that he got all the awards. <laughs> ah, come on, we're going to do that one again. Uh, yes. Um, well, so, all of them but one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His film roles included Gorky Park um, in 1983, Silverado, he was the corrupt sheriff in that movie, Cocoon in 1985, mm. FX with Brian Brown in 1986, Presumed Innocent, Romeo and Juliet. Um, he was Juliet's father in that movie. Romeo plus Juliet, I should say. Oh, the uh, Lerman one. Yeah, that one. Mm. Hmm. Um, he's like he's he gets the first light. He says, "Hand me down my long sword." And then, of course, the the camera pans up to um, a pearl handled shotgun that says "long sword" on it. Um, Subtle. Yeah, yeah. Baz Luhrmann, master of subtlety. Yes. <laughs> subtlety and restraint. Uh, Knight of Cups in 2015, he got uh, the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a miniseries of television film for his role as Willie Loman in the television film of the classic stage show Death of a Salesman, mm. a role he also played on stage. I know somebody who's seen it and said, because Willie Loman, he's a, he's a small, you know, sort of a beaten down kind of a man in that play, um, usually played by men of smaller stature round shoulders and Denny he was a giant of a man with very broad shoulders and very diff uh, very different Willie Loman but uh, played the part so well that uh, yeah Golden mm. Globe baby oh um, anyway um, I remember him in a movie called Best Seller right with James Woods uh, not a well known movie it was probably a TV movie that accidentally got theatre it was like a more red box movie sure I remember seeing it when I was young and thinking it was great um, Denny, he plays a cop who's stabbed in a break-in mm. uh, because one of his associates, this is right at the beginning of the movie, he gets stabbed. Um, or, no, he gets shot. That's right. And he stabs one of his assailants. And then he writes a bestseller out of it. And then years later, something like 15 years later, a guy approaches him and said, yeah, um, I'm the guy who shot you. You stabbed me. I got peritonitis. It nearly killed me. Oh. And then blackmails him into writing a story about him because he's going to do an expose on the people that he worked for. Yeah, right. And so, and Woods' character is he's an assassin, he's a sociopath, 
And um, yeah, and throughout the movie, they sort of become friends as far as a sociopath can actually have friends. Yeah. Um, Great movie. Or at least it was when when I saw it back then. It might be another near dark situation where I watch it again and go like, yeah, this ain't James's best work. Yeah, maybe. But Brian Dennehy, um, yeah, fantastic character actor. Okay. I heard a great moment. Um, uh, Pat Oswalt was talking about meeting him at a buffet table. And he said, uh, and he was just, because um, he is a huge man, not fat, but, you know, tall, stocky. Sure. And he was working on the buffet table and uh, and he said to Oswald, he said, are you not eating? And he said, oh, I'm trying to watch my weight. And he said, fool, you're a character actor. You can eat as much as you like. Oh, no, 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 no. Anyway. Uh, so he was, um, he was in Ratatouille. That's right. <laughs> he played, uh, he voiced the father in Ratatouille. He did. Django. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he said, when you walk with giants, you learn how to take bigger steps. When he was inducted into the American Theatre Hall of Fame in 2010, he died of cardiac arrest due to sepsis. What's sepsis? Uh, look it up. He was 81. <laughs> I go, well, no, I've got, a, I've got a live link here, but this is on airplane mode, so I can't. Sepsis is a potentially life-threatening condition caused by the body's response to an infection. Yes. So he's dead. His problems are all done with and ours aren't. So we're going to come back after a track. But that is the final bow. It's curtains once again on Dead for Ills. We will see you on the other side. Oh, it's Henry Hacking. New Love, featuring Holly Brewer on Energy Groove Radio. Man, stop. Look what I'm planning. <laughs> um, Whatever happened to breathing? Uh, out of fashion, apparently. Mm. Brian Denny's not doing it anymore. <laughs> that was Eminem with Godzilla on Energy Groove Radio. See, we know what the young people like. It's that. Yes. Apparently. If my son Robbie is listening, you're welcome. Well, there you go. Yes, he likes Eminem. I don't know if it's appropriate for a 10-year-old, but he's listening to it. Not sure if Eminem really aims his music at ten-year-olds. Um, uh, <laughs> that level of mentality, certainly. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I've no, I've heard Eminem stuff before. My mm. dick, my mother, my girlfriend, my band, my money, my dick, my band, my girlfriend, my mother, my dick, my band. Did I mention my dick? Wow, wow, that was that's most of that it. Was beautiful, yeah. That was <laughs> poetry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we're not talking about Eminem because he's a twat. Uh, next in the show, we've got the segment where we have a look at what's opening. Um, Anywhere? In theatres, apparently. Sure. Let's go with that. In Australia, possibly, and all around the world? Doubt, doubtful. Doubtful. Okay, but uh, in any case, this is the opening scene. That was actually recorded live in one of our local theatres. <laughs> That's what they sound like now. <laughs> Empty. Uh. Um, yes, yeah, so welcome to the opening scene. There are a, a couple of titles opening, uh, uh, getting a limited release this week in the United States. Next week we have more. Oh. There's, there's lots. Gosh. So I think possibly it's opening up Maybe. a little bit. Maybe the release slate, just, you know. Anyway, uh, first of all, we have... Um, the Wretched. Yes, it's a horror movie. Ooh, wow. Well, I like in, a horror. Well, you know what? 
I was with it in the trailer until the very end. They had one of those scenes where the camera zooms in very, very, they have a snap zoom into the back of a creature's face. And that, you know, it's a, it's a nasty witch. And she turns around and looks straight into the camera and does that big mouth thing. Yeah. That seems to be so popular. Yeah. People who've just learned how to use Adobe after effects. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So it was looking okay until that moment. I went, oh no, it's a red box thing that's fight- that's managed to get theatrical release because there's nothing else on. Yeah, in look, any case, there's no one of note in it. No, there's um, not. Which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad horror movie, but it, no, it's not. Re- it's not. It's not reviewing great. No, but uh, anyway, here's a clip. What are you doing up here? Don't let her in. My son likes to play hide and seek. Can you bring him down? I didn't say he was here. You're a very stupid boy. Can I help you? He's Dylan home? Dylan, Dylan, down here, baby. Dylan! Your son, Dylan? I don't have a son. Dylan! He had no idea who I was talking about. Listen to mommy. He's gone. I know it. Okay. Yeah, so apparently... <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be a movie of people running around shouting Dylan. Yes, so it's a witch who... Well, she eats children, and apparently she has the power to make you forget that you had one. Oh, okay. So, you know, come wow. on to my place, if you like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they keep up listening to Eminem, sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That'll get tedious real quick. what they deserve. So, yeah, that that <laughs> looks like, I don't know... It looks it's it looks like a creepy pasta. It looks like something that got made into a movie because it was financed by Scary or Die. Or... Yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing else. Um, uh, being Blumhouse released. is Blumhouse is pumping out crap Are at they? an unprecedented rate. Yeah, there's heaps of stuff that Blumhouse taken up because they they just they make these movies that don't cost very much and they know that they're going to make a lot of money because horror sells. Mm. No matter how shitty it is, apparently. <laughs> I mean, look, yes, and they, horror does sell. Um, but and I they don't can think say they from realize... the studio that brought you Get Out because it won an Oscar. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I just don't think uh, having that shotgun approach to horror necessarily does the genre any favours. I don't think um, they're planning on making the genre any favours. They're just making no. tons of money. It's kind of annoying, though, because, you know, when you say you like horror movies and mm. then people reel off some names, and you're like, oh, no, I like the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are actually yeah, scary, the, not the ones that just startle you. Yeah, not the ones that are just loud jump scares, which people just assume is horror. That's not what horror is. Yes. Horror is is. It's brilliant. It's more nuanced than that. You could startle it's, people with gummy bears. Yeah. It's, you know, it's you not, just like long, slow silence. Or horror that thinks that gore is scary. I'm like, no, mm. that's just grotesque. That's just gross. And it doesn't make as much money because it's not PG. Yeah. The great yeah. thing about jump scares is that they're PG. Mm. So they can maximize the profit by, you know, allowing stupid children in. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh. Uh, so that's So that's a thing that's happening this week. Great. Um, if you've lost the will to live, mm. um, why not go and watch The Wretched before you go? <laughs> uh, and we also have... Now, this is uh, this is an odd one. Uh, again, this might have been a thing that was going to be a Redbox number, but now is getting a cinematic release. It's got Tony Collette in it. I love her. Everybody does. Australia's own? Yes. Tony Australia's Collette. own Tony Collette. Muriel's Wedding, Tony mm. Collette. That's right. Um, she's in a movie called... 
Dream Horse. Is she playing the horse? She could. <laughs> She's Tony Collette. She can play anything. Yeah, no, the um, it's uh, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker isn't in this either. <laughs> anyway, look, anyway. the story is about Jan Vokes. She's right. a Welsh cleaner and bartender. She decides to breed and rear a racehorse. She mm. persuades her neighbours and friends to contribute financially to this goal. <laughs> And the group's unlikely investment plan pays off as the horse rises through the ranks and puts them in the running for a national championship. So it's the Mighty Ducks, but with a horse. Wow. Anyway. Um, See, I thought she was going to end up being a con woman, but... Anyway. No, no. So is it's... this a true story? Because, I don't know, they've made her up to look like she's supposed to be playing someone. Like, you, you see the hairstyle... Oh, you know, so it looks like she's, or maybe they've just looked at what horse trainers look like and yeah. just went with that. <laughs> you know, horse trainers don't spend a lot of time on their hair. They've got <laughs> horses to comb. Anyway. It's normally wealthy professionals who are going for this kind of thing. There's ways of doing these things, isn't there? 20 people in the village put in a tenner a week for two years. No! When the horse is born, Welsh everyone will be near there. an equal share. Ah! If you lot are good enough to own a bloody racehorse, so am I. It's a tenner every week, Kirby, you pillock. Oh, God, he's gorgeous, isn't he? He needs a name. What about Dream Alliance? It's our dream, and we're all in it together, and so Dream Alliance. Dream Alliance! Dream Alliance! Okay, I'm going to be really distracted if I watch that movie because you can hear her accent dripping in, dipping in, dipping out. Doing a Welsh accent. Yes, and I know a Welsh person. Um, If you're listening, Jodie, why don't you just get in contact with us and tell us if that Welsh accent is selling because it's a difficult one to do. Yeah. Hello, Jodie. Yes. Hello. You know, you can slip very, very easily into accidentally doing a Bombay accent. (laughs) It's like, oh my goodness, gracious <laughs> no. me. I come from oh, Swansea. No. I am from Swansea and Stop I love it. to go to the beach. You're insulting <laughs> everybody. <laughs> so, um, I'm afraid that's it. Um, you've got a witch or a horse. <laughs> um, that's everything. Choices. On the screen Sophie's in the scene. Choice. This week and so until next you know, week. It's Tony Collette. Go, it's say Tony Tony Collette. Yeah, go and see Tony Collette. Yeah. Support Aussie people. I feel like Dream Horse is one of those movies, though, but it's it's like well, they could have cast a Welsh actress, but they cast Tony Collette. Yeah. So she must have she must have auditioned very well. Are there Welsh actresses? I don't know. Apart either. from uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, who doesn't really work anymore. Don't, don't know. I'm not sure. No Welsh actresses. Either way, um, they've put her in a wig and they've made her look real ugly. So I'm feeling that this is Oscar bait. I think this is children's film. It's one of those heartwarming stories about a small town that blah, 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 blah. And against all the odds, Herney, Flurney, Glurney. You know, it's not going to amount to that. Why they make it look so average then? I don't know. I'm not a movie producer. A kid's not going to relate to that. A kid's going to look at that and go, she looks like my mum. Who's going to look at that? Cinema nowadays is about, you know, Mm. Thanos destroying half the world by snapping his fingers. You can't compete with that with a heartwarming story. They've just made it look so. They've just made it look so. Relatable. <laughs> oh, how dare they? <laughs> anyway, uh, that is everything for this week. Um, but uh, yeah, go and see that Aussie. And uh, and speaking of nice horses, here's Kylie Minogue. New York City on Energy Guru Radio.
DMAs. DMAs what? There's an apostrophe there. Is that a possessive? I don't know, Al. In the air. Mm. On Energy Groove Radio. Welcome back to Movie Groove. It's what's on screen. And mm. what's on screen? Nothing. <laughs> uh, not the big one, anyway. If you go to the no. theatre, there isn't going to be much in the way except for, you know, mm. um, Tony Collette doing a dodgy Welsh accent and stuffing about <laughs> with a horse. Um, but we do have a segment where we take a look at what's coming up on your online subscription service of choice because here at Movie Groove, we are, as always, living the stream. Um, so, first on Living the Stream, we have, uh, Crossing Swords. Um, is that... Okay, never mind. So it's a trailer, <laughs> a, a trailer just came out, um, stop-motion animation style featuring toys that I haven't seen in quite oh, some time. Oh, so it's not a euphemism for something. No. Mm. <laughs> well, possibly it is a euphemism for something, because it's a stop-motion animation from Robot Chickens. <laughs> Uh, the Seth Green thing. Yes, yeah, so it's sweary. Ah, and it's got it's drug adulty. use. It's got drug use and and uh, things in it. But the figurines are in it are those little Fisher Price things that are like a plastic head and a wooden body. And oh, the was that why would... you were showing me those toys earlier? Yes. Okay. Uh... So the, that style of thing. I think they've been changed just enough so they don't wreck. Um, so they don't cross a copyright boundary. Well, there's not much articulation in those. No, but uh, in any case, uh, you could look up a trailer online. I do have a clip of it here. Um, Crossing Swords hails from Robot Chicken's John Harventine the Fourth. Well, and Tom Root, you know Tom Root. I don't. No, uh, Tom Root's he's another character actor who does a lot of voice work. Mm. He's been in lots of movies. He he tends to feature in Coen Brothers movies. He was the blind, uh, the guy, the blind radio station owner in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, you're pushing my memory here. Um, he was in. Did you see No Country for Old Men? Uh, I saw most of it. Okay. I just, I don't know. The, uh, Javier Bardet, whatever his name is. Yeah, Tom Root's been in Really everything. creepy. I, I see his name pop up. He's one of those character actors. You see him in just about everything. And so I can't think of more than one example of something he's actually well, been Well, he's been in. in Robot Chicken a whole lot. Of course he has. Uh, he's been some voices of townspeople in American Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it. Anyway, um, the show follows Patrick, who is a good-hearted peasant, who lands a squire position at the castle. His dream job quickly turns into a nightmare when he learns his beloved kingdom is run by... Horny monarchs, crooks, charlatans, and uh, unassorted scumbags. And even worse is Valor, which made him the black sheep of his family, and now his criminal siblings have returned to make his life hell. It features war, murder, full frontal nudity of small wooden figures. Hmm. Who knew brightly coloured peg people led such exciting lives? And we've got a clip. How am I supposed to be at night for these people? This is a cesspool. Nothing separates the men from the boys like combat. Why do we have to strip for this? Like I said, men from the boys now line up according to Bulge. Patrick, we can't put every prisoner to death. Exactly. An execution is a sometimes treat, like ice cream and butt stuff. Right. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) You're a witch? I'm not a witch. I'm just asking for equal pay for men and women. Wish, wish. <laughs> hey, it's topical. Yeah, that sounds sounds funny. Yeah, so um, there you Nicholas go. Holt is doing a voice, uh, Patrick. 
apparently. That's correct. The uh, the cast includes Nicholas Holt, Adam Ray, Tara Strong, Tony Hale, Luke Evans, Seth Green. Everybody knows Seth Green, the robot chicken guy. Alana Eubach, Adam Pally, Yvette Nicole Brown, Maya uh, Erskine, Brecken Meyer, and, uh, and a whole bunch of other people. John Root! There you go. So, uh, you'll be able to binge the entire series on June 12th. That's uh, if, you know, a cute little character swearing and doing drugs and having sex is something that appeals to you. It sounds good to me. Oh my God, Nicholas Holt was the boy in About a Boy. Yes. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> wow. Well. I feel old. <laughs> Welcome to my world, baby. Oh my god! Yeah, I have to. Oh. I, I have to think that now. Um, I, I've said this in the show before. I believe that when I started listening to Led Zeppelin mm. in my last year of high school, I remember thinking, "Man, this is some dinosaur rock," and it's now half as old as Nirvana is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I just can't get over that. That's weird. How old is he? Um, I don't know. In his 30s. He's, oh, he's 30. He's a horrible he, child. Yeah, he's 30. Anyway, um, did you see him in Skins? Apparently he played not a nice person in Skins. No, I, I didn't know he was in Skins series. either. Oh, yeah. Ah. Mm. Well, there you go. Which was about you know, 15-year-olds doing drugs and having sex all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, which 15-year-olds seem to rather enjoy. <laughs> sure. And but parents would watch it and go, "This, mm. I, I need another vodka." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, and what else have we got? Well, um, I am going to tell you nothing what else we no. have as well. Uh, right now, in fact, I am going to tell you that it is a thing that I'm going to tell you now. Wow, Al, <laughs> this is just. Smooth as butter. No, Luke. <laughs> um, the, uh, oh, we got a message from one of our listeners. It says, hi, can you pick up a vacuum cleaner on your way home? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you no. want a pressure cooker? I got a pressure cooker to get rid of. I don't want your stupid pressure ah, cooker. I got to get rid of it. All right, Kate, if you're listening, um, uh, Brad has... A uh, pressure cooker, which he says is problematic. It's temperamental. Temperamental. It works. It's just temperamental and way too big for it my needs. It says it's temperamental and it's way too big for his needs. And so if you want a pressure cooker that doesn't quite work, that may explode it, it will and cover not the explode. kitchen in molten lava um, that will burn our children and scar them for life, then yeah, just drop us a line here. Oh, add ready. a bit of danger back to dinner. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the tension. Will it happen tonight? <laughs> or will we get another meal? See, what fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, look, so yeah. if you're stuck inside, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, on the streaming services for you to watch. Uh, Are we getting there? Well, there's a series called Hollywood. Right. Um, if you can't get enough of Hollywood history, it's set in the post-World War II years, charting the ambitions, successes, and disappointments of a group of up-and-comers in that most dizzying of towns for dreamers. Los Angeles. Um, what else have we got? Homecoming Series 2. Mm. Rick and Morty Series 4. I haven't seen Series 1. Oh. Have you? Um, did you enjoy it? I did like Rick and Morty Series 1. Um, it, it's one of those things that I enjoyed before everybody else found out about it. And and then I stopped talking about how much I enjoyed it. It's, it's like that. Is it one of those things that the fans ruin? 
Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. The fans ruined it. It suddenly became massively popular, and yeah. now I am too embarrassed to say that I like it because I get lumped in with those wankers who didn't get the joke about the Szechuan sauce and actually went to McDonald's and demanded <laughs> Szechuan sauce. <laughs> yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. That's right. Because you people are idiots. Yeah. Anyway, the second five series, second five episodes of Series 4 start this month. Um, everybody knows what Rick and Morty is, a strange cartoon about a mad scientist and his weird grandson. Offbeat humor. And meta, meta, meta references. Okay. Which, uh, you know, it's a show that you'll get if you're a smart person, but you'll also enjoy it if you're a dumb person. And I believe that the dumb people are beginning to outweigh the smart people by a serious margin. Now I understand what all those zombie movies were about. <laughs> Oh, well. Anyway. Not, not cynical at all. No, not at all. Um, what else is there? Uh, the Eddie. American filmmaker Damien Chazelle cannot resist a jazzed off sod off. Jazz. <laughs> jazz music. It's, oh, God. It's like torture for the ears. Mm. It's horrible. That's what my room in hell is going to have. It's going to have experimental <laughs> jazz playing the whole time. Just... I know that it's very complex. I know like, if you know about music, then you really appreciate experimental jazz. Because, wow, it's so amazing. It's going in so many interesting directions. But if you don't know anything about music, if you just enjoy listening to music, because music is nice to listen to, you know that? Remember that? When you just listened to it and enjoyed it, right? If you're like that, it just sounds like somebody hitting the keys randomly. Yeah. And that's not nice. Well, my brain likes uh, repetition. It likes patterns and repetition. And you know then... who didn't like jazz? The Nazis. And frankly, they were right, all right? If they were correct about two things, it was being kind to animals and hating jazz. Wow. There I said it. <laughs> Learning just about how passionate you are about the subject, Al. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, they've got a behind-the-scenes feature about the Mandalorian. Woo! Um, oh, no. Um, so, uh, High Fidelity. Did you ever see a movie with John Cusack called High Fidelity about a record store owner? I did. Well, they're doing a TV show version. Oh, no. Yes, Nick Hornby's book and the John Cusack movie gets a modern update in this 10-part series starring Zoe Kravitz, who was uh, in the original movie, if you remember. Yeah. No, wait a minute. It wasn't Zoe Kravitz. It was that chick from The Cosby Show. <laughs> um, um, so Zoe Kravitz is obviously related Zoe Kravitz is a record shop owner who revisits her past relationships through music. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure. Cast Lenny Kravitz's daughter. That's yes. fine. Oh, uh, here's a good one. Space Force. Yeah. The Office, creators Greg Daniels and Steve Carell, uh, reunite in this workplace sitcom that they've created together. Uh, Carell stars in the comedy. John Malkovich is also in it. Ben Schwartz and Noah Emmerich follow the people tasked with establishing the space division of the U.S. Army as... Um, I think As you, commissioned you were... by the current United States president. Yeah, I think you were telling me about this, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. So, um, surprisingly, Space Force is spelled correctly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there you go. Don't they have a Space Force? Uh, well, they they committed eight billion to it. Yeah. So there's going to be people filling their pockets all the way along the line there, but there's not a single thing going to get shot into space. I guarantee. Yeah, but what it. are they going to do? Oh, who knows? Eight billion? That wouldn't build you one rocket. No, but so I'm just trying to think what they 
what their mission statement is. <laughs> Look, the idiot in charge says we're committing $8 billion to the Space Force, and then everybody below him started working on how they were going to get their hands on some of that cash. Yeah. But yeah. it's nothing to do with space. Space Force. Space Force. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Space Force. They're going to give him a cardboard box with Space Force written on it. <laughs> and he's going to sit in it and go, yay, I got a Space Force. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's a, there's a Snowpiercer television show coming up. Okay. The TV adaptation of Bong Joon-ho's dystopian 2013 movie. I'm not sure we need that. No, I think the movie said everything it needed to about being <laughs> about, stuck on a train. About being stuck on a train and the class system. Yeah, but this one's got Jennifer Connelly in it. Who's that? Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Uh, she was in Labyrinth when she was very young. Mm. Uh, she was in A Beautiful Mind with Rusty Crowe. She was in Alita Battle Angel recently. No? <laughs> Not ringing any bells? No. The name definitely rings a bell. Goodness sake. But, yeah. Anyway, she's in the upcoming Top Gun sequel. There's a love interest for Tom Cruise. Oh, dear. Probably the one that they've come up with that is closest to Tom Cruise in age. You know what? I'm looking at her IMDb, and literally the only thing I've seen that Jennifer Connelly is in Mm. was Dark City. Yeah. A lot of people like that movie. I did not. uh, You don't like Alex Proyas. No, I do not not like Alex Proyas. I think that The Crow is one of the best, um, well, revenge movies ever made. Sure, okay. It really is incredibly good. But then he went and made Gods of Egypt. Because Alex Proyas blocked him on Facebook. I'm not bitter. He's an arse. (laughs) I said something that he didn't have an answer to, so he just blocked me. Dick. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch a movie that's good that he made, but mm. there hasn't been one of those in a way. He made Knowing with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. A movie where, you know, you get to the end and you go like, right, so nothing that any of the characters did at any point in this entire movie would have made any difference to this ending whatsoever. No, They've no, literally knowing, been pissing about for no reason. Knowing is a <laughs> series of... Look, I really like the scenes, the disaster scenes in the film. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. It's just loose disaster scenes stitched together with Rose Byrne wandering around screaming. Well, that's the thing is that the they they have this thing where this kid has angels and aliens at the end. The this kid has put uh, a list of numbers in a time capsule, and then Nicolas Cage's kid finds it, and then he notices that the time capsule. The numbers are a coordinate mm-hmm. and a date. Yeah. And the amount of people that die or something. Uh, the, yeah, something like that. And yeah. so if he goes to that coordinate at a certain time, there'll be a horrific accident where that number of people die. Mm. And and so he tries to stop whatever it is that's coming because at some point the numbers just stop. And go, Ooh, what's going to happen? And then it ends up, sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen that awful turd. Um, it's the end of the world. Mm. The end of the world with like angels yeah. and Aliens. All that bollocks, except they're not angels, they're aliens. So whatever it was that John the Baptist foresaw, it wasn't, you know, angels and whatnot. It was actually aliens. And then and then the last two, and then all these little children end up in a place that is another planet, which is very much like paradise, I suppose, complete with apple trees. Yeah. All wandering about in the grass, holding hands. And so you go like, so nothing that they did made any difference, could have made any difference. No. So the movie is pointless. Yeah. But as I said, the characters in the movie are pointless. They could have just had the world falling apart. Mm. There was no need for Nicolas Cage. And I can't help (laughs) thinking that that's definitely a positive. Yeah. Oh, 
But, you know, it was filmed in Melbourne and uh, the special effects are great. The plane crash is good. Train crash is cool. Mm. You know. Yeah, so Alex Price, make a good movie again. Um, um, Dark I, City. I, I thought Dark City was good. Oh, I saw the end coming a mile away. I went, oh, they're in a they're in a spaceship or something. And they were in a sodding spaceship. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen Dark City. They're on a sodding spaceship. Well, there you go. Um <laughs> Because I've seen that a million times. They did that in heavy metal in the late 70s. Mm. Where they had this whole series where humanity live in this endless sprawling city and they're all being taken down by some hideous disease that turns them into mutated things. And then at the end, you know, the big surprise is, oh, it's a ship. And humanity has forgotten that they've left the planet Earth centuries ago to look for a new world and just haven't found one. <laughs> The only uh, one that remembers this is the computer. So, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, um, it's not very politically aware. It is a European thing from the late 70s, early 80s, featuring a character called Druna, who's a very busty female who, um, every time she gets into a scrape, her clothes just tend to fall off. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> we got two minutes, Al. Is it two minutes? Oh, God, I've been babbling on for that length of time. Um, we don't have time to uh, get to uh, anything. <laughs> so um, we'll have a track from Major Laser, and then we'll come back into the sound of movies. That was no no better by an autotune machine, <laughs> featuring Major Laser as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the end of the show. So if you've only just tuned in, you've missed it. But if you'd like to listen back to it, then you can always get the old shows on Energy Groove Catch Up from the website. Also, uh, tune in every afternoon for Brad with Arvos. It's mm. a show with music in it. Apparently, I don't listen to it. Um, <laughs> and if you've had a good time listening to the show, then you could always come back next week to join us for more. Um, well. If you've listened to the whole show, you might have noticed it's a bit of a loose, shambolic, rambling quality to the show now because there's nothing to report out there. Yeah. So it's just basically Brad and Al chat about stuff yeah, now. She's a bit thin. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. But if if the content of this show has captured your imagination somehow, then tune in next week between five and seven. For Movie Groove, it's what's on screen. Before we leave you, um, we are, of course, as always, going to do The Sound of Movies. They certainly are. Um, hey, Bradley. Hey, Al. Do you like movie musicals? I should, uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> Valley Girl is a 1983 romantic comedy. Starring Julie Richmond as the title character, who has good looks, popularity, and a handsome, cool boyfriend. Um, wow. The movie is notable for being... So relatable. Well, the movie is notable for being a breakout role for a young man called Nicolas Cage. Oh. Who plays Tommy. The only problem is Tommy is kind of a douchebag. Oh, typecasting so early in his career. So after a trip to the mall with a friend, she decides to break up with him, blah de blah de blah Anyway, they're remaking it as a musical. And because I love you... Because I care about you. Well, um, why? I, I am, in fact, going to play the remake, the re-recording of the hit We Got the Beat by the Go-Go's. Oh, gosh. From the original movie. You remember the Go-Go's? No, I don't, Al. You know Alex the Seal? 
<laughs> that song, Alex Cecile, no. <laughs> which was so the Go Go's were banned at Belinda something. Oh God, I can't even remember the girl's name. She became oh. a major recording star. Belinda Carlisle. Carlisle. Belinda Carlisle was Heaven one of the members. Heaven is a place on earth. That's, oh, that's a banger. Her. Yeah. <laughs> so she was um, a member of a girl band called the Go Go's, and they uh. had a couple of hits. One was Our Lips Are Sealed. Oh yes, I remember that. Recently re-recorded as Alex the Seal because one of our popular Australian entertainers always heard the lyric as that. Oh. Alex the Seal. Oh, so, um, anyway, uh, they also did a, a song called We Got the Beat. They've re recorded it uh, for the musical version, the new musical remake of Valley Girl. What joy. Um, and we're going to play you out with that. And until next time, if you come back at all, and frankly, after all this, why would you? <laughs> do enjoy your lives. <laughs>